Miles Fischel on Talk Tonight. Hello. How are you, man? Ah, I'm upright and breathing. I'm, I'm actually having a pretty good day today. Thanks for asking. How about yourself? Yeah, yeah, I'm very well, and you know, that's what we like to hear. Um, yeah. where, where, where are you based in the, uh, in the States? Uh, I am currently based out of Knoxville, Tennessee. Right, okay. And is that where you, um, where you work? Is that where the venue is? Yeah, uh, the venue is the Concourse of Knoxville. Um, I've been there for about eight and a half years. Uh, well, no, this makes nine. Um, where I started doing all of this, where I'm probably going to get buried is in that building, to be honest. Brilliant stuff. So, Miles, uh, first, firstly, what is a stagehand and how long have you been in the business? Um, stagehand is pretty much uh, you not agree, you do as you're told. Um, if there is something that, uh, well, let me start at the easy part. Uh, a stagehand is somebody who uh, we unload uh, musicians, trucks, anything that comes in the trailers. We get all of the road cases out. We open them up. We unload all of that. We assemble the stage. So, for instance, um, for uh, like the big EDM artists that have like the big LED walls with all of the visuals and everything behind them, we assemble the LED walls, all of the trussing that holds that up. Uh, we run video cable. We run audio cable. We make sure everything sounds good. Um, we are the people who make sure that the concerts and festivals and venues that you love are able to put on the display that you're able to see. Um, and about nine years I've been doing this. Brilliant. Um, what made you want to get into that business or did you just sort of fall into it? Um, honestly, it was the game Brutal Legend of all things. Uh, it, it's pretty much a heavy metal video game about stagehands and roadies. And uh, there's, there's a very distinct difference between stagehand and roadie. A roadie is the guy who goes on the road. A stagehand just is a local guy. But just getting to interact with all of my favorite bands, being able to meet the people that I've listened to since I was a kid has always been a dream of mine, getting to see and talk to these people that everyone considers louder, uh, bigger than life and just has grown up knowing the names of. Just the chance of getting to do that was too good. And the way that I got into it, what what instead of just falling into it, uh, the venue that I work at has a nightclub called Temple, which is a gothic industrial nightclub. And I've been going there for about a decade. And I decided that one night I was going to stick around till after close and help them start breaking everything down and just strike the stage, get everything off the stage, all the DJ decks, all of that. And Eventually, one of the guys, uh, now my boss and best friend named Merck, told me, hey, are we paying you for this? And I'm like, no, do you want to? He's like, well, you've been doing it long enough. We might as well. And I, I kind of strong-armed my way into being a stagehand. Brilliant stuff, brilliant stuff. What you just said there about like being able to work with like bands that you've grown up loving and stuff. It's funny you say that. I, I actually put a tweet out literally yesterday and I was like, it's mental to think that five years ago, I waited to meet a band after a gig. And then last year we interviewed them 
and it's just like so strange how that came about but like you said it that feeling of you know people look up to these and I'm just like yeah well you know I've been sat speaking to them literally just shooting the shit it's a really good feeling to be fair so I'm yeah. definitely with you on that one and um, what capacity is your venue that you work at? Uh, right now, uh, we just moved locations because COVID killed our previous location. Our previous location was a thousand. Um, our current location, we're looking at about twenty five hundred. So it's quite a jump up then. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm I'm more excited to see everybody that packed wall to wall. Um, I'm so excited for that. So a thousand was that considered quite um quite a high capacity venue because I know like that would be like quite a mid-range venue if a band's selling out a thousand here you know you'd consider yourself like not quite a big time but you know you're definitely well on your way yes yes absolutely um we were the other than like the big theaters and stuff like that coliseums we were the second largest venue in Knoxville apart from a place that recently opened called the Mill and Mine and once our original location closed down, the Mill and Mind opened up and kind of took them under their wing and started running with them. And their capacity is 1,500, which is pretty good. It's pretty good. There's a lot of people in there. Yeah. How, so how was like, um, you just mentioned like COVID crippled you. How, what was like the, did you get any support? Because in, in the UK, we, I mean, grassroots venues, you know, the sort of, venues out of thousand to like two thousand or so and even below they got absolutely nothing and mm-hmm. um we had to there was a massive petition and um, the music venue trust in the uk had to come out and save like save the venues we had artists you i don't know if you're familiar with the charlatans mm-hmm. a band from manchester yeah um lead singer tim bear just had to come out and he literally saved two of the biggest venues in manchester which had been around for decades from closure because of COVID. So, I mean, I don't know what it was like in America. So, I mean, just what was it like for you personally anyways? Um, we had a thing called Save Our Stages and it didn't, it didn't do as well as we had hoped. Um, a lot of, a lot of music venues died. Um, we were just lucky enough to be able to find a bigger, better building. Um, COVID, when I say COVID killed everything here, it it really, really did. We didn't really have many people thinking about the music industry or here. It was solely based on the, the necessary workers, the doctors, the nurses, the gas station attendants, everybody like that. Um, that's why I had to leave stagehand for a while because there was no stage to hand. I ended up picking up a gas station job just for the time being, just to be able to pay my bills. What What was the music scene like um, before? Um, I'm not too sure. What it was like was it was it a thriving scene there in Knoxville? Yes. Oh yeah. Um, it was left and right musicians coming through just our building um we've had Marilyn Manson Anthrax Testament Slayer uh we had TI at one point in time <laughs> we don't talk about that uh there we've had I've I got to meet 
the people I called heroes in my life because of this job. It, before COVID, this was full steam ahead, all everybody on board who's going. It was amazing. But now, after COVID, we're trying to kind of reassess our situation, kind of rebuild our name as the international and the concourse because we had to get a new venue and we had to get a new building. And a lot of people just thought, well, they closed, they're done, but we're, we're too stubborn. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I was just about to ask like, what's the plan um, coming out of COVID? Cause obviously I'm not sure what it's like there. I know in the UK as of next week, um, it's just back to normal, no restrictions at all. Uh, what's it like for you there right now? Um, that depends on who you ask. Uh, oh, right, okay. <laughs> if it, we were trying our best to get back to having concerts proper, um, but it's pe people don't want to be compliant. It, it's still running rampant here. Knoxville for COVID was one of the largest spots in the United States for COVID, and it it just destroyed everything. But after COVID now, like I said, with us getting our feet back on the, on the floor and reopening our new venue, we're, we're seeing more and more people pick up. We're seeing a lot more bands who are interested in coming back and finding out, oh, our favorite place to play is open again. Yeah, we're definitely booking that again. And I'm, I'm just excited for what the future holds in that regard. Brilliant. So obviously like 2,500, that's quite a, a large venue, but do you offer opportunities? Obviously talk tonight, it, we're all about like our sort of tagline is uncovering the future of music one artist at a time. And I guess the whole mm -hmm. premise behind that is the unsigned people, the people that you might not have heard of. What, what does your venue do in regards to that? Um, we heavily support local bands. Um, I've, I've gotten to become very, very, very good friends with a lot of local bands who do like very minor tours or people who are, this is their first show. If regardless of your name and stature in the business, if you're willing to play on that stage, we will put you on that stage. We will, even if it's for a short amount of time, because our owner, a gentleman named Jay, Jay firmly believes that if that is your dream, if you want to run that life, we will 100% give you that opportunity because nobody should be denied the opp opportunity for A, success, and B, a platform to express yourself on whether it's artistically musically however you want to do it we have and our venue isn't just a music venue we have art galleries there we we had a freak show there not too long ago and that was amazing um and you were probably family a big part of that freak show then oh absolutely it was great <laughs> it was great there's th th there are very few well done situations like that in the world and they they do it well uh if you're curious it's a group called hell's a poppin and they're just absolutely ridiculous what what is a, a freak show like what 
what is involved in that? Um, is it like a greatest Sherman sort of thing? Or <laughs> uh, imagine that, but uh, we have a guy who shows up for that event who is from the waist down, non-existent, and he he just rides around on a skateboard, and just goofs off stuff like that. Um, I've learned a few tricks from them, like um. There's an act called the blockhead act where you can take a, a good sized nail and just right in your head, right through your nose. Uh, that that kind of stuff, stuff that pe- normal people would look at and just gag. I, I can't say you've sold me on the idea of watching it there, but, <laughs> but I'm sure some people would definitely be into it. Um, so we'll move back to the uh, the stagehand and uh, the venue. What's your favorite part about the job my favorite part about the job other than the paycheck um (laughs) honestly it's just physical work of it I've never been a person to just sit down and do nothing that's why I hated doing the gas station work because it was a lot of hurry up and wait and with doing the stagehand work I have a team that I work with and every chance we get if there is something even if it means sweeping the floors me and my team are immediately right there like hey you need help with that and just i i I guess that's what it is it's just the opportunity to help somebody with no regular with no negative repercussions it's just a positive experience for us and them most of the time would you consider it like hard work because obviously like it's exhausting work but because you enjoy it would you say it's hard work uh that that's i i that's a relative term in my opinion hard work because it it what's hard work to one is not hard work to the other uh what more what i mean by that is it's very physical strenuous activity but yeah even if it is hard work it's still one of my favorite things to do Amazing, amazing. Um, how long did you say you've been doing it? Sorry. Uh, about eight and a half to nine years. Eight, eight and a half years. Still have all um, my fingers. I'm surprised by that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my um, my dad used to work building stages um, on tours in the UK. That's why I was quite interested to uh, speak to you because obviously I've heard the stories from my dad when I was growing up. And I remember one time he dropped uh, a block of stage on his thumb and uh, the whole nail came off it just went black and came off and I'll never forget that when I was young it was absolutely disgusting <laughs> but, I've, um, I've got one for you I uh, I was doing a load in for a, a Christian rap group of all things never thought I'd say that in a sentence um, and we were doing load in had everything set up to be put on the stage but off to our left was the road cases and somebody decided that they were going to bring in the trailer ramps, which are about 20, 25 foot long, three foot wide, and about 250 pounds of aluminum. And instead of laying them flat, they set them up on their side. And I was just handing a set piece up on stage to my buddy. And I was just turning to say, hey, we need to move these things before they fall and hurt somebody. And somebody bumped a road case 
fell, slammed into the side of my knee and about 500 pounds of aluminum slammed onto the top of my foot. And uh, Christian rap group or not, I definitely said some words that they were not happy with. They, they, they were more upset about the things that I said than the fact that I was injured. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. What a Christian rap group. Yeah, I don't think I would have ever imagined that ever being on the podcast. Um, were they any good? I was in the hospital. Hell if I know. <laughs> Is that the only Luckily, I didn't break ever... anything, though. It was my foot swelled up to the size of like a softball. But that's that's the only actual like major injury I've ever had other than like I cut my hand. That's not too bad then. Not too bad. So nine years in the industry, no injuries, but a lot of stories. And you decided oh, yeah. that you're going to go on to TikTok to tell those what what gave you that idea or did it just again did it just sort of happen i was bored i was bored i uh i was walking through my house and as i've shown in one of my videos i uh after working for anthrax and testament which was my venues very well we had two technical venues one called the international and it was the international's very last show was anthrax testament and slayer which phenomenal show i uh may or may not have stolen the anthrax crew sign and have that on my bedroom door and i just walked by it one day and i'm like you know what the story behind that would be really really cool to tell and i just started talking about and just thinking about some of my stagehand stories and stuff like that and thought nobody on the platform is making any kind of content like that it's a completely untapped situation i have a lot of stories to tell and i in my opinion i'm kind of charismatic so i might as well and it just spiraled out of control from there yeah because obviously one of your videos got 1.2 million views was that the uh, the ti video yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. for those who don't know haven't watched it um would you would you mind giving us a brief recap on that Oh yeah. Um, between the there, there are two bands that I will never work for again: Ti and Marilyn Manson. Um, Ti, for the reason he is a he was a huge drama queen. His whole thing was no cell phones during the sound check. No, I don't even want you thinking about your cell phone during the sound check. Keep it in your pocket. All of that. Fine, cool, whatever. Your sound check, you do you. Um, problem is, is the doors opened at eight and he didn't show up till 8 30 and wanted to do sound check in the middle of somebody else's set so we couldn't do sound check for him um so in the end he ended up sounding like garbage through the microphone at my uh house sound guy across the uh across the way and just stormed out got on his bus and left there's a reason why you don't really hear about him anymore it's probably that attitude there yep yeah, why not um, Marilyn Manson? Obviously, I know he was in the, the news, uh, was it last year, with all the um, sexual harassment claims? Yeah, it's it's that and a couple other things. Um, for Manson, he made us build an entire dress, a, a green room, which is, for those who don't know, where the bands sit, wait, hang out, do things I'm not legally allowed to talk about. Uh, and... Uh, he made us build an entire green room where he could shit, shower, and shave, and a place to keep his beer cold. And it all had, he had very specific specifications to how he wanted this built. Everything had to be solid black. 
everything, walls, floor, everything. So we, we complied, we did it. We built his green room, um, except for the fact instead of a black door, we put a sparkly rainbow glitter door on just out of spite. And uh, that went over fine, but about 45 minutes before the show is when he really declined. Uh, he started doing drugs, started drinking a lot of liquor and was just completely and totally incoherent and just completely out of left field all over the place. He's yelled at people. He's asked uh, venues to put a litter box in his green room. Um, he doesn't have a cat. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just for lack of better terms, one of the most stuck-up, arrogant pricks I've ever had the mispleasure of meeting. And I used to idolize the guy. I, I loved him when I was a kid. But then they say, don't meet your heroes. And there's a good reason for that. You're often going to be disappointed. Yeah, definitely. Do you, do you think, like, obviously you know better than most about the drug use that goes on backstage is it very is it a common thing or like is it just like the odd case like with that with Marilyn that I mean there are bands who do harder things I try to avoid that myself I've been 13 years clean of some rough stuff so I've I do my best to avoid that but the most anybody really does anymore is they'll smoke some weed that's about it if if that's the worst they do there that's fine that's fine I'm the, I I ain't here to judge on that, but I've I've seen quite a few bands do quite a few things that should not have been done in my venue. Yeah, I'm sure you can't go into that as much as I'd like to ask. Um, but we you hear the stories all the time um, about what goes on backstage. Yeah, I think it was as recent as two years ago, there was a story about the killers um, mm -hmm. where they'd send out people to pick out girls from the crowd to bring to their tour bus. And you just think, like, it's just a bit weird, you know, you're literally a middle-aged rock band who could have anyone to want if we're being realistic, but going out, making people feel uncomfortable, stuff like that. And that's not what you want from the music industry. They're the, uh, no. the negative connotations. And when people do that, like, the stuff that's happened with Marilyn Manson, it does put shade on the whole industry. It also makes people not want to go back to that venue because it's they're going to remember that instance more than they're going to remember that concert. And they're going to remember where that happened. And they're going to avoid that place like the plague. Because we've had a few situations like that where bands have tried to do stuff like that. And it doesn't end well. No, no. And in the UK at the moment, there's a massive thing about um, spiking. Uh, that seems mm. to be becoming more and more common. You know, after COVID, you'd think people would want to just go out and have a good time and have a laugh. It seems to be a pandemic in itself, uh, people spiking, um, especially at concerts and stuff like that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. In your venue, if you've ever seen it, or how would you go about dealing with something like that? Uh, if we see somebody spiking, um for legal purposes, they found that they fell down the steps very hard. They fell down those steps very, very hard. We do not at all do stuff like that. Um, actually, fun fact, I had to deal with something like that personally. A uh, guy who bullied me in high school, of all people, came to the club 
spiked girl and just treated her like garbage as you could imagine and I was walking one of my friends out to the uh parking lot because we were in a bit of a rough neighborhood in Knoxville and I don't like a woman walking out to her car in the middle of the night in that kind of a place so I escorted her out um and he started saying some things to my friend and doing some things to the aforementioned girl and uh they, they say revenge is a dish best served cold. And boy, that felt good. That's all I'm going to say on that. <laughs> I think it's best it is all you say. Uh, uh, yeah. Like... Um, now, as, as far as like musicians go, we've only ever had one instance like that. Um, and that was Datsik, a uh, big EDM artist. Uh, he was handing, and this is very well known. He was handing out badges that had everything except the word escort marked out. Um, and it had the word Tulsa backwards, uh, T-U-L-S-A, which is a city in Oklahoma here in, in uh, the States. And Tulsa backwards is a slut. And he would only give it out to um, girls of dubious age and get them on the bus, give them a whole bunch of like, ketamine very hard drugs get them out of their mind and you can imagine where it went from there but we found out about it and uh he also fell down the stairs very hard uh, that's crazy yeah. that is crazy like what you don't you can't imagine things like that are still going on to be honest but like they just are out there it's just weird um anyways Let's go. Let's get back onto you. You know, we've had a bit of a dark moment there talking about the uh, the bad things in the music industry. But let's get back onto you and let's get onto your best memories in the business. Meeting Guar, Guar all day long. Um, I thought it was going to be meeting Phil and Salmo, but that kind of fell through. But it was one hundred percent Guar because they sat there, and don't get me wrong, they're they're a bunch of as I've said before, old men, but don't tell them I called them old. I want to live. Uh, but they were sitting right there next to us, pushing cases, setting up their stage, making sure everything met their specifications. And for those who don't know, Guar is an alien heavy metal band, I guess is a good way to put it. And they, it, you hardly ever see them outside of their outfits. And realizing later in the night that it was them and not just a bunch of old men i've been sitting around talking and goofing off to for the past six hours it just dumb struck me and it, that was my first time ever seeing them let alone meeting them and it was an amazing an amazing experience for me um but there is one that I reserve above all else, and that was working for a group called All That Remains because I've listened to them since high school. Um, and sadly, in me, about three weeks after I got to work for them, uh, the man who inspired me to pick up a guitar, a gentleman named Ollie Hilbert, passed away of uh, dubious circumstance. And I got all of their autographs. I was one of his last autographs. I sat outside of the tour bus until they were about to leave waiting on them to get their autograph because I just wanted to thank them for everything that they had done for me personally and getting that opportunity to show them some appreciation 
and genuine heartfelt thanks for me was don't tell my wife almost as good as my wedding <laughs> well let's hope she isn't listening um so what's your worst memory in the business what was that oh sorry what is your worst memory oh uh that that was probably working for either manson or ti but both of them were just nope i think i'll pass <laughs> brilliant um my next question was who's had the worst attitude when working with them but i'm sure that's going to be ti mm -hmm. so we'll uh we'll move on swiftly in your opinion obviously you've been in it nine years and that's a long time you've seen a lot of things change especially with covid how has the music scene changed over the years from when you first picked up your first piece of electrical cable to now running a venue how has it changed um for me it it just evolved into just this monster that i meet every week that i just keep slaying over and over again it's it's in the beginning i walked into my into the venue and just looking at the sheer amount of kit that i had to put together and just assemble was daunting and so overwhelming but now after doing it for so long i look at some i look at some kits and i'm just like this is a walk in the park i already know how to do all of this it, after covid a little rusty a little rusty i'm not gonna lie but it it, it definitely is a very humbling experience because the band is the one that gets all of the limelight they're the ones that everybody knows and sees and acknowledges but it's it's us it's the little guys dressed in black in the background that you just see small snippets and glimpses of during set change that are the reason that these shows are able to be put on it, it it's for me the evolution of it has grown for more of an appreciation for what we do who we are and just being able to step back and know that you are making somebody else look good yeah definitely if you were going to look 10 years into the future what would you like to say you've achieved in that time That's a good question, actually. I haven't thought about anything like that. Um, I'm a very here, I'm, I'm a person who's a very in the now kind of moment. Um, honestly, I'd, I'd like to go on tour with somebody. I'd like to upgrade to a roadie where I'm out traveling the world with a band that I love, meeting people I would never have a chance in my life to meet at going to places i have no right going to just the idea of not being restrained to one place not just living in one venue but living in the world as i could like to put it that way i can spread my wings a little bit who would be the dream band to do that with ah uh, I almost got lucky and almost got to go on uh, the road with Killswitch Engage, and they're definitely up there on my list of people I would love to work for, uh, do stage work, roadie work for. Um, 
honestly, if I had to pick one, it would probably be all that remains because as it turns out, one of my best friends is their audio tech and another one of my best friends is their lighting tech. And I didn't know any of that until he was like, you know, I work for them, right? And I'm like, you're an asshole, sir. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've already gotten in. Um, so we're coming towards the end of the interview. Um, Miles, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, beforehand, we said we we're going to limit it to 10 questions, but extend into a full-on deep dive into the life of a stagehand. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, um, I have too. <laughs> good, good. And I'd love to get you back on um, maybe when you've uh, got the venue back up and running, you can let us know how it's going and when uh, everything's back to normal, you know, maybe get some shots from the air, from the gigs and we'll help you do some promo work on that. Um, are you a fan of Oasis at all? Of what? Of Oasis. The Manchester Oasis, Rock and the band Roll Oasis? Heroes. Yeah. Of course. Brilliant. That's great to hear because obviously Talk Tonight is named after Oasis and the famous Noel Gallagher song. What is your favourite song by the band? Oh, you're going to make me think, aren't you? Um, it's a question. We have to ask it. We have to ask it to every one of our guests. We're named after Oasis and it'd be criminal not to. I can't think of any song names off the top of my head. I'll give you some. Wonder Wall, Don't Look Back in Anger, Slide Away. Live oh, forever. Oasis. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah. uh, pro don't Look Back in Anger. Uh, of course, Wonder Wall. You can't go wrong there. Everybody knows Wonder Wall. Um, man, I haven't thought about them in a long time. Holy <laughs> crap. <laughs> Don't Look Back in Anger was probably, like, their message to my mental health, honestly. So it's it's definitely, definitely Don't Look Back in Anger for me. Brilliant stuff, brilliant stuff. Mars, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on talk tonight. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you um, for having me. Really do appreciate it. One last question. Have you decided to quit TikTok? That's to be seen. That's to be seen. I'm I'm still a little on the fence. There there are some ideas that I have every now and again that I'm just like, you know, that would make a really cool TikTok video. I'd love to talk about something like that. And then I'm like, but I already was stepped away from the platform. So I'm not sure I thought about starting up like a YouTube channel where I just do whatever it is that I do, but I've already built my following on TikTok. It it it, it seems a waste to walk away now. Um, if, if anything, this might just end up being just an extended break for the time period. Okay, okay. And, um, where can people find you on social media? Uh, if you're looking for me on social media, I wish you luck. I don't do social media very much at all. Right, okay. Where can I find you on TikTok? Yeah, probably only on TikTok for right now. Yep. Right, and that's at Pinebox88. Mm -hmm. Check Miles out. Link is in the description below. All the stories featured here today, well, most of them are on his TikTok. And hope you've enjoyed. Make sure you leave us a like. Make sure you subscribe. And we'll see you next time. See you Here's then, Miles. guys.